This is Live from Ukraine, a conversation with Ukrainian voices taped live on Twitter Spaces. To join future audiences, follow me at Benjamin Wittes. You are listening to Live from Ukraine, a highly eccentric podcast recorded live on Twitter Spaces before a live audience, featuring Ukrainian voices about the full-scale invasion and the conflict with Russia. Our guest today is Svetlana Khitrenko. Did I get did I get that pronounced that within a hundred miles of correct? Yeah, you pronounce it perfectly. Oh, good. I, I I usually count myself lucky if I get within within a mile of accurate. Um, uh, I met uh, Svetlana the other day on on Twitter when I asked for um, uh, contributions uh, text uh, to project onto uh, the walls of Russian diplomatic facilities, and she sent me two. Um, uh, uh, Russian language uh, jokes uh, that she thought would particularly annoy the um, residents of the of of the the buildings I was targeting, which were in respectively in Ottawa, and then by something of a surprise yesterday in Washington, and um, I uh, actually like my Russian is is really bad. And, uh, these were not, uh, uh, I actually couldn't quite understand these puns, but I did it anyway, because, uh, I thought, you know, we were going to be featuring Ukrainian voices. We should actually do what Ukrainians want to say. And so, uh, yesterday I was at the Russian embassy in Washington. I projected, uh, these, uh, two, um, uh, uh, slogans, and uh, uh, they uh, received a, a pretty riotous response from the group uh, of, of Ukrainian protesters. Um, and uh, so I thought we should start, Svetlana, with just uh, giving us a sense of, they don't translate, but uh, what, what were they and, and, and why are they uh, amusing from a Ukrainian perspective? Uh, um, first, um, first of, uh, of these two projections was "Nравится, не нравится, Россия развалится." That means that was a reference to um, Putin's speech about Ukraine and Minsk agreements, uh, where he said, like, uh, making a reference to one song uh, that you like it or not tolerate my beauty that's like ukraine needs to tolerate minsk agreements which require as maybe someone don't know uh, ukraine to recognize these uh, people's republics on the east uh, so um they they expected us to tolerate these agreements uh, and he said this like line and we started to joke uh, that you like it or not, but you need to tolerate that Russia will fall. And uh, this uh, line is like remade in some kind of way to annoy Russians. And uh, first of all, I've uh, heard this uh, sentence when I was in Krakow before, right before the invasion. There was a rally uh, right in front of Russian consulate in Krakow and one um, serviceman, Ukrainian, which uh, gave a speech said that, said this phrase uh, phrase, and I liked it very much. So I, uh, so I mentioned this phrase later on, on other sources and we are making memes of it. So like it or not, Russia will fall and that's for sure. Uh, Another one, uh, it's uh, not a Russian language, but Ukrainian language uh, line. It's Moskalyaku uh, Nahilyaku. In countries such as Poland, uh, Lithuania, Ukraine, uh, Russians are called in folk- uh, folklore uh, and mostly, like historically, we call them uh, Moskals, Moskali 
in Ukrainian language. It's because it's like, it's like Muscovites in English, right? Yes, yes, yes. Because they are from Moscow, this like uh, county or something like something. Um, and Russians, they are from 18th century, even Peter the uh, First started to call them Russians. Oh no, no, no! I'm I'm making a mistake. The, uh, from 18th century, they called uh, Russia, but uh, Russians they are from 90s years of uh, the uh, 20th century. Uh, yeah. So um, this line is uh, very hurting for them because uh, because it, it translates as Moscovites like on the branch because we're like. Um, it's like Muscovites I, out on a limb, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we are like uh, threatening them to put on a limb because because like this Muscovites. Mm. Well, so I I uh, uh, for for those for whom the puns do not translate, uh, uh, they translated uh, extremely well for the Ukrainians in the crowd yesterday, uh, one of whom uh, just burst out laughing and came over to me and sort of, you know, asked me where I got it and um, uh, and just thought it was the funniest thing in the world to project on the embassy. So I don't know, Svetlana, whether your uh, prediction that it would particularly annoy the people in the building is correct. Um, but it did certainly amuse the people outside the building. So start. Let's start with um, uh, who you are uh, and a little bit about uh, your story uh, since February twenty fourth. You're uh, in Poland now. Um, uh, you're a student. Uh, what happened to you uh, when the war started? And uh, and. How have you been occupying your time uh, since February? Um, at the beginning of the invasion, I've uh, met in Ukraine, of course. I went uh, like 23rd of February. I went to home from work and it was like casual uh, evening. When I went to bed, I even missed uh, an address of Zelensky that evening. So, uh, and your didn't... home, your home is in Kiev. Kiev, yes, it's Kiev. It's a left bank of Kiev. Uh, so, um, I was like, it was a casual evening. Then, uh, at the oh, approximately five o'clock in the morning, I received a call from my colleague from work, and he said, "Have you seen the news?" It started these two phrases just I was shocked but I wasn't uh, surprised at the same time because to be honest a lot of people in Ukraine expected something like this to happen uh, because we have our own track of relations with Russia so it attacks us for centuries in any uh, forms so we knew something is going to happen but we were shocked uh, with the scale of it and no one expected even our government and command that uh, offensive will be from the side of belarus from the territory of belarus so it was kind of shocking i lived uh, in apartment with my roommate i've uh, I went to walk uh, with her, and she was also not so like surprised by this news, but shocked, of course. And after a half an hour, uh, we heard explosions. It was kind of near us, um, and it turns out that uh, you know, air defense shot a rocket almost like five hundred meters from us. Uh, maybe meters for American public, it's kind of unclear, but I can't uh, translate it to other metrics, sorry. Uh, it's okay, people pe People know, for those who I, don't, a meter is a little bit more than a yard. I think uh, it's more something like maybe five minutes by foot, that's not so far. Uh, so 
it was very loud noise. We were kind of shocked. We tried to uh, figure out what to do. We didn't go to shelter because we were just shocked. When you are shocked, you don't know what to do. Uh, so we were checking the news and uh, until like my roommate wake up, I've checked explosions there, explosions there, Russians are moving there. And they are like, like a pigeon in the park when you uh, open uh, your uh, packet with your bread. They are coming from everywhere to take your bread. And like these like Russians, like they are going to you from everywhere. And like, what is happening? And that day, first three days, no one knew we would be able to stay. So, so to, to keep this um, defense. So it was very, very shocking and very like terrible experience. And uh, the next morning, this maybe um, you saw also very famous video when rocket hits a residential building right in the building. It's like um, I don't remember how many um, how many uh, meters it's in the height, but it's kind of high uh, building, and the rocket hits right in this building and that's it was like terrifying experience uh it was not so far from us also um something like maybe 20 minutes by by foot so yeah it was uh, really really um scary but i've ordered a ticket bus ticket to try to go out because because everyone tried or to flee or to like to figure out what to do next um, and but my bus was not um, accepted uh, in like in uh, border uh, like not border checkpoint so I can uh, couldn't leave the city and states for some time uh, what about like experience which is like a very interesting point here that um, maybe you would be surprised when you see in the internet videos there people are just carelessly work, walking around when they hear a raid siren, but that not because they are so ignorant or war not is, uh, war doesn't go on, uh, but but that's um, just a feeling like you know uh, we are so tired of this like. Air, air raid sirens, so we are just um, hits, rocket hits. Okay, I'm just, I'm just don't care. So if I go away, it can also hit. So people just get tired, and this emotions when you firstly are uh, very shocked. Then um, I experienced experienced um, evil. I guess I was really angry at them. And that's like, it was so intense. So I was ready to go and to enroll to the local territorial defense. Encountering that I'm 18 years old and I'm a girl which don't have much um, experience in like some shootings, etc. So I don't know nothing, but I was ready to go and kill these Moscows with, with my own hands because I hate them with with all my soul so it was uh, like this experiences but hopefully russians were quite away from my place so there was no need to um defend my neighborhood um i tried so to you, where, so when did you get out of the city and out of the country uh it was 11th of march when it was um apparently possible because uh, a lot of people tried to uh, go out um, in the first days of invasion and traffic jams and all this stuff and checkpoints it was harsh but then after first week as i understand uh, there was um uh, uh, i need to explain some context uh kiev is divided by dnipro river um in a half so I lived on the left bank, which is from the eastern side, and um, mostly infrastructure such as main um, 
main railway station is on the right bank and the city center is on the right bank of the Dnipro River. So uh, left bank and right bank are connected with uh, four bridges. Uh, and two of them uh, after the first week were mined. So, uh, and this exactly was one of them was exactly the bridge which uh, was the connection like with um, for metro to go. Uh, so metro wasn't um, operating and uh, I need to figure out how to get out from left bank to right bank. And I was like, I was thinking, do I need to stay or do I, or I need to go away or like Russians were um, on the outskirts of the city. Um, Let's like 30 kilometers. If you open Deep State UA map, uh, you will understand uh, what I mean. Uh, they were near city Brovary. It's uh, on the left bank. So they are quite, they were quite close, but not so close as it was on right bank, like in Irpin, Bucha, etc. But anyway, I wasn't afraid of Russians at that time. I was thinking what I need to do, how I need to supply myself because my company stopped operating and uh, I didn't know what to do because I need to uh, leave somehow. <laughs> and uh, I decided to escape and uh, I just take a taxi, spend four hours instead of uh, 15 minutes um, because there were... Um, traffic jams even in March, and of course checkpoints, but eventually I succeeded to get to the railway station and went to Lviv, and from Lviv I went to Warsaw, and then, yeah, <laughs> then yeah, I, so, I... So you have been between in Germany and in Poland since then, um... Uh, and what have you been doing? Have you been? I, I know you've you've you have a a, a job, but w what do you what are you uh, doing while you're away from from Kiev? Uh, first thing, uh, what I was doing while I was in Kiev, uh, it was checking the news. Uh, you maybe it, it sounds strange. But uh, me and my roommate checked the news all the day. Because first days of invasion, um, people didn't know that it's not okay to publish uh, all the videos in real-time manner uh, because it could uh, correct the missile uh, attacks. Um, but um, people didn't know that. And there was a lot of information publishing the internet about explosions, what, about Russians, where are they, what are they doing? And uh, there was a huge amount of information. And when you are like uh, shocked and uh, you, you feel like you are hungry of information and this information like psychologically um, makes you feel like you control in the brackets situation that if you check the news all the time, it feels like you um, control situations in somehow, but it's like psychological trick. Uh, and I can't get rid of it until now. I check the news in free time. I check all the time news and it's kind of uh, bad behavior in terms of psychological like mental health. But yeah, I'm, so this yeah. is something yeah. that... Uh, I think, in a in a different way, a lot of a lot of Americans experienced during the Trump presidency, where we just couldn't stop checking the news because it felt like somehow it would give us some control over the situation. Of course, it doesn't, and. The Trump presidency is nothing like having Russians invade your country, but I think psychologically it's quite similar. Actually, the uh, the instinct to get control of the situation by constantly looking at news sources. 
Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And um, it's kind of um, you're getting addicted to the news because uh, when you're not checking and don't, or news are not so intense or in, not in that amount, you feel like, uh, oh, it's maybe, maybe something wrong. And it brings even more insecurity. I even talked with psychologists. Uh, she advised me to, uh, because I started Twitter, because I felt uh, this um, desire to do something. I felt, felt guilt that um, I don't do much. I'm here in safety and uh, my co-citizens are now in like, in occupation, bomb shelters, etc. And I need to do as much as I can. So uh, I felt this like insecurity that I do not enough to help my country. And I, of course, donated and donate now um, and will donate. Uh, but I felt this like uh, emotion that I need to do more, more, because that's, that's not enough. You need to do more because it, it really, um, how to explain, we feel so um, united in the stance um, just to, we, we really want to win, <laughs> to be honest. And we, uh, most of us, I can't say for everyone um, in Ukraine, maybe some people who don't care, there are people, different people exist in the world, but uh, most of us are really, really um, like committed to do as much as everyone can. And uh, feeling safe, being safety for us psychologically, maybe even harder than for people who are in Ukraine currently. And I've heard such stories that people in Ukraine go to the bars, uh, go to the like, no, 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 like spend uh, some good time when there is no air raid sirens or just calm, and they enjoy enjoy their lives. And we outside of Ukraine are can't allow uh, ourselves even to go to cafe, <laughs> cafe for yeah. a coffee yeah so 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 over the last few months as the tide of the war has shifted in ukraine's favor and as the um the uh particularly the area around kiev has been uh increasingly secure a lot of people have gone back um i'm i'm curious uh why you have not yet gone back given what you just said that you 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 feel so isolated from it i didn't go back because um i don't have where to go back because i was living uh in a rented apartment um for because uh, it happened in my life, so I, I don't have good relations with my family, so I'm living alone for a while. Uh, and mm, my rented apartment, uh, my landlord said that a couple of months ago, or you pay for rent, or you need to get out of the apartment. I understand uh, why, of course, uh, he's a human who needs to uh, have uh, like cost for a living also. So uh, I asked my friends to go and take my clothes from this apartment. And I don't have where I, I can go in Ukraine. So I'm staying here because I have job here. I feel like here I have a job. I can do more for Ukraine than sitting in Ukraine and uh most likely, you know, maybe because uh, um, I mean, sitting in Ukraine and maybe um, in less paid uh, work, so I can would be um, able to donate, donate less. So I evaluate more like rationally where I will be more useful. Uh, so I think being here for me as for now is more useful than being in Ukraine. Uh, but so you find it stressful huh? to be away. 
but you find it stressful to be away. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you think it's more useful to be in Poland uh, working and donating, but you also find it very stressful to be away from home while uh, while the war is happening. Uh, yes, I find it stressful, but anyway, uh, that happens in my life that I met a person who is also Ukrainian and so... Uh, uh, I feel like we are spending some time together and I feel like uh, it's easier for me to cope with this stress and uh, uh, I feel like I'm getting rid of this um, anxiety in some way. So in terms of uh, stress, I think... Mm, I feel more and more, like, I don't know, motivated and less stressed when I can um, introduce some value. For example, um, Twitter. I started this Twitter and my psychologist recommended uh, to continue doing this because, <laughs> because it's, um, <laughs> it's um, I don't know, this my desire to uh, bring some value in, like, for example, in informational war, uh, I can implement it in, in this Twitter, so I feel better when I tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for yeah. your, I want to ask you about your Twitter feed. You have a, the Twitter background, uh, 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 Russia de Lenda Est, uh, which of course is a uh, a joke on on uh, the old Carthago de Lenda asked, uh, Carthage must be destroyed, um, which, uh, uh, of course, Cicero appended to uh, many a great many speeches on wholly unrelated matters for, I don't know, 20 years or something. So I, I'm curious uh, uh, what you mean by it. Um, uh, you ob- I presumably you don't mean in a literal burn Russia to the ground um, uh, in that, that, that the Romans uh, eventually did to Carthage. Uh, in what sense do you want to see Russia destroyed? Uh, of course, uh, uh, I don't want it to be burned to the ground. Uh, we can only joke about that, but if we can, uh, we we speak uh, seriously. Uh, first of all, I want to mention that uh, this background I mentioned on one NAFO account. Uh, so I asked, "Can I take it?" And uh, he agreed, and uh, <laughs> I use it as for me also. Um, and what I mean when I um, use this background, uh, what for me is destroyal of Russia is. Um, uh, to decolonize it, uh, to uh, destroy it uh, like um, soft power. I mean, to destroy its reputation, to destroy its place in the world, uh, to just, I don't know, is, to destroy Russia is to destroy this fucking empire, sorry. Because... Um, this, what we see now, it's not like Russia. It, like Russia, it's Moscow it's and St. Petersburg. Other territories are colonized and oppressed. And we need to keep that in mind. Because there are a lot of nations which were oppressed by Russia for decades, hundreds of years. And... Uh, this like empire which lives only uh like the uh, lives only on, on the idea of the their great greatness on the idea of building world world power and like like this it shouldn't exist because it's not a healthy country in modern society modern society is more open global um I don't know, fighting for lands and for ideology uh, in 21st century is a nonsense and the world sees it, uh, sees it but it's a nonsense. Uh, 
nonsense, but it happens. Uh, I feel it like, um, like this war is for me, maybe I'm making a bad reference, like, uh, but for me, it's like feudal war in 21st I, century. I actually don't think it is a bad reference. It's a, uh, or it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's an anti-colonial struggle. It's a, um, it's the last truly, you know, the last true empire in the world, um, in the sense of, uh, ruling, uh, ruling over, uh, large, large numbers of colonized peoples who, for purposes of resource extraction and, and, and cultural domination. Um, and, uh, the idea that they all pay some kind of tribute to Moscow is, is very feudal in character, I think. Mm, so, yes. Uh, so to summarize that, uh, to destroy Russia in my sense is to destroy this huge myth of Russia. They say, they call, uh, they are like, this myth as uh, Russian peace or Russian world, because in Russian language, Mir is uh, has two meanings and like in peace and like uh, world. So yeah, they... it's kind of a it's kind of a combination of the as though the phrase uh, Pax Americana or Pax Romana also included the world word world um it's a it's it's a it's a hard concept to translate into english but ruski mir has both a both an implication of a of a kind of the russian world but also the pax russiana yes yes and they use it in both senses because uh, Russian peace, and for them as that for that suits for them, uh, of course. Like peace, for example, in this war, as uh, Ukraine gives up its lands, and uh, Russia uh, stays as a world power. Uh, but that's not peace. Uh, like for example, like uh, they are going to protect in brackets, uh, people of Donbass to bring their peace, but they bring only death and starving to the to this Donbass. Uh, as Russian world, they, yeah, they want to be a world power to influence, uh, to, to be like dominant in these world powers. And of course, in this world powers war, they confront USA, of course, but as for me, um, I don't know wh why in the West, um, I, I think I have an idea why in the West people are kind of afraid of Russia or think it's really like a power, a world power. But in such states as Poland, Ukraine, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Russia perceived uh, are, is perceived as uh, like... A power, but this power is equal like a monkey with a grenade, because in the common sense, Russia wants to be the power everyone afraid of. But under this myth, Russia is a fucking clown. That's not <laughs> because I don't know even how to describe it. Um. Because Russia wants you to be afraid of it, but in fact, they're they're making circus, circus, circus. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So that's a, it's a very interesting point. I mean, I've I've dealt with this a little bit in the course of these projection operations that I've done. That it's very important to them to respond to them with these kind of chest thumping machismo. You know, they come out in camouflage gear with masks and big spotlights and 
Um, but what are they actually doing? They're, you know, projecting Zs and Vs on their own embassy. Um, and in doing so, they're actually, you know, dignifying what would otherwise be a completely juvenile stunt on my part. And, you know, that there is something both very macho and very clownish in exactly the way that you're describing that they're that they want to be very menacing which they are in their own way cuz they have a grenade but they are kind of monkey like in the course of doing it yes yes and i see like this propaganda of uh greatness of Russia really influences foreign audiences, which are outside like uh, Central and Eastern Europe, uh, because really um, people are really worried of some like nuclear threats or other threats. Of course, we also are worried about it, but we encounter the fact that um, Russia is full of bluff. They, I don't know, they, if you see, um, if you look at video, for example, not the major state media, but like local media, they opened a playground in the middle of the field, empty field, and they celebrate it. And that's a Russia. They opened a playground in the empty space, but they celebrate it, like, it's a great event that Russia is the greatest country in the world. And with this, uh, we are going to a very interesting point is Crimean Bridge. Crimean Bridge, it's uh, for Russia, is a symbol of Russia's power. So this hit, that this explosions, explosion which happened is not only practically um, beneficial for us but it's ideologically just like oh it's like to slap Putin in his face with that because uh, for Putin it's this Crimean breach it's like a gun it's like something like it's really precious for him because it's like it's a symbol of greatness he, yeah. he personally drove a truck over the bridge to open it up, right? Yeah, in Ukraine we have uh, memes about it, uh, by the way, that there is a, a theory that uh, a kamikaze truck uh, blown up this bridge. So in Ukraine a lot of <laughs> memes about that uh, Putin. We know who blown up this bridge and Putin writes in this truck. <laughs> so... um. I'm curious whether for you the attack on the bridge is more significant as a um as a symbolic matter or more significant for its military consequences. Uh I'm not a military ex- expert of course but as I see a railway um was restructured, uh, re- reconstructed. So from military side, they still can supply by it. Uh, but I think it's more ideological hit. That's interesting. Because all of the conversation in the, in the United States has been about whether it was effective from a military point of view, will... Is the bridge usable? How quickly can the Russians restore rail ties? And you know, um, and the the uh, the the sort of psychological and and morale component of it has been you know mentioned in a sentence. It's a symbolically significant strike. That blah 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 blah. But we've really focused on the on the on the. Uh, practical implications on the bridge. And what you're saying is even if they get rail back up, just hitting the bridge is a, is an important, is an important thing to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's it. From, uh, that's the main, uh, reason, uh, of, uh, I understand, um, I monitor the 
uh, how like people in US react on this. And uh, I see a very common pattern that uh, um, I've even posted something about it, that the most common mistake of countries which has never dealt with Russia uh, is to think about Russia rationally, to evaluate Russia rationally. Uh, because it this mistake was done before uh, the start of this invasion, and the whole world was kind of sure that Russian army is a power like second army uh, by power in the world. So they will destroy this Ukraine by till the end of the week, and that's it. But it turned out that Ukraine, Poland. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania were right in it. So a lot of people uh, write uh, about that Russia is not that powerful as uh, it wants you to think of it. Because so we're gonna, we we're gonna see go to... how corruption destroyed yeah. Russia. So we're going to go to audience questions in a moment. So if you want to ask a question, this is a good time to request to speak. Uh, a reminder that when you do, I will bring you on. Please keep yourself muted uh, until I call on you. If you don't keep yourself muted, I will keep you muted. Uh, and uh, we can get into a little fight about how long, whether you stay muted. I will win that fight. Uh, please ask your question in the form of a question. I am deeply uninterested in speeches. Um, and if you are not cordial and appropriate toward our guest, I will cut you off with a vicious lack of due process. Um, while we are waiting for uh, audience questions, um, I'm, I, uh, am, I have a final one of my own, which is um, uh, what are your longer term plans as, uh, uh, how long do you expect to stay in Poland and what is your uh, and and what will you do when you go back to Ukraine? To be honest, I don't have such plan because uh, uh, I really don't even see a reason to build some plans because um, it depends on situation. It depends from a lot of reasons. So I make short-term plans uh, instead of making long-term, not to be disappointed in future. <laughs> That's it. I'm leaving, I, like right now, I live on the same, like I'm leaving on the luggages right now. Like it's like our proverb is that when you're like living, uh, but always ready to move somewhere else when you're not living like for permanently uh, like calmly and permanently in one place but living like in a sense of uh, need to go somewhere else so I don't even know when I will go back to Ukraine but I really hope it will be as soon as possible because of course, I would I would prefer to spend my life in Ukraine than somewhere else because it's my home. Whenever I will leave, it's my home. It's my country. I love it. So I I'm looking forward to return, but I don't know why. Oh, when, oh sorry, when? And um, I don't want to uh, like to make some plans as for now. But uh, I will look at the situation and um, we'll evaluate when it will be the most, um, the best time to do it. Antti Ruokonen, you have the first question today. Thank you. Uh, so uh, when you do follow uh, news from Ukraine, do you ever do so from, uh, from either uh, Polish or uh, other foreign media? And if you do, uh, is there anything there that... Uh, the Ukrainian you should feel should have um, uh, the different things should be given uh, more weight from your perspective. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's a very interesting question. What What is the foreign media getting right and what is it getting wrong? Maybe I don't quite understand your question. Uh, you ask uh, which media I rely on or... I don't, please uh, make you, can you a bit explain what you exactly mean? Uh, yeah, I understand. Uh, I follow up the news from different sources. Uh, of course, uh, Ukrainian sources um, give information more in detail. Uh, foreign sources uh, observe mostly like overall situation and like general questions. Um, what influences the media, what I mentioned, uh, is uh, the prominently is editorial stuff. Uh, so some uh, very well known and reliable as for any um, like any country sources as like Washington Post or Reuters or New York Times. New York Times uh, sometimes uh, there are some publications which which are. Um, which are written by some Moscow-based uh, journalists or specialists on Russia. Uh, I don't think it's uh, okay strategy, uh, to be honest, because these people are biased. If it's even a good Russian, if you, as you call it, like good Russian, okay, I will not discuss now uh, who is this good Russians, who is this uh, mystery, uh, but um, uh, they are really biased because any Russian, even if he's um, he is against war, he is against Putin, but he uh, would prefer to avoid some unfavorable to his country uh, news and moments and descriptions, etc. So. If you're if you don't amplify Ukrainian voices, which can I, I can understand because we are also biased, um, amplify someone else's voices, not Russian, <laughs> even if they're living abroad for a long time. No, that doesn't work. Russian voices, please speak about Russia. Don't speak about Ukraine. Because uh, editorial staff influences a lot, and if I read some news from like from like Moscow based, they are really different from what, for example, UK journalist or US journalist would would write. So, yeah, this influences uh, and this incorrectness I see in reporting from uh, foreign media. But of course, uh, any foreign media they observe the news from their country's point of view and um, I don't see any problem not to follow Ukrainian news, just rely on foreign news, but you need to keep in mind that um, if you really need, uh, if you really have need to um, understand situation more deeply, not on the level like where where are the Russians now? Uh, you need to read Ukrainian sources because they are more like inside based, and that's it. So I'm curious um, about life for Ukrainians in Poland. There are a lot of you guys there, and um, I, when you deal with Poles. What language do you speak? Can I mean, do you speak Polish? Uh, I speak Polish, uh, but no, but on very basic level. 
um, as Ukrainian, it's easy for me to understand spoken, la- spoken language and written language. And from day one, I understand what is going on. Uh, maybe some words were new to me, but uh, overall, uh, I understand it. But as for now, I can even re- read books in Polish and uh, I write uh, in Polish a bit, of course, with assistance of translator, but I'm learning it. And on on the conversational level, I can I can speak with Poles on by easy conversation. That's not a big deal for me. Uh, encountering that, I didn't learn it as a course or something because um, I don't need it in my in my work because I speak English at work. So I need Polish only for uh, non formal conversations like like outside from work environment and I I just um, learn it intuitively and that goes well about Poles that's a wonderful people uh, I'm very thankful for Paul uh, po- <laughs> thankful for any help any support from Poles it's a wonderful people I uh, really wish the world uh to hear more about the like the like the poles united and did as much as they did to completely foreign people and they perceived us as as their family members there is no refugee camp in, in there is no refugee camps in Poland, because Poles were so cooperated to took Ukrainians home and uh, all this stuff, and of course uh, my company, for example, they were donating um, and gathering some stuff to send to Ukraine. They helped me with accommodation, and they also rent uh, an apartment, uh, rented maybe an apartment here in this city for Ukrainians for a mother with kids. Um, they rented this apartment for them to live temporarily until they find something and they are so generous they are open hearted they are ready to support uh, I can say only good words about Pulse and I wish um, yeah that needs to be like um, the I don't know uh, like a little bit We've heard a little bit, though, of a different story in Germany. You were in 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 Bonn for a while, um, but you know we've heard a fair bit about. Um, uh, first of all, at the German government policy level, of much more ambivalence about support for Ukraine, and um, but also at the uh, the level of uh, a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, Russians in Germany uh, attacking uh, uh, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, what was your experience in Germany like? Uh, I lived uh, on the west of Germany. Their um, their people are more like, as from my experience, I think they are more pro pro-European Union, like more like this mindset. Uh, so there was no, almost no Russians there. Uh, but um, uh, I've uh, met, like not met, but I've seen there was a rally from Köln to Bonn of Russians. It was in April. Uh, they hold a rally from one city to another to the uh, Soviet monument. They went from the, with these flags, with all this stuff, with music, and it was like car rally. And uh, police uh, pro- protected them. And I think like from one side, I understand Germans, the, uh, understand Germans that they, um, their freedom like freedom of speech oriented so any can like they just don't care about these russians but that's so strange for me to like to tolerate this stuff because i don't know i i really feel like 
uh, Germans feel the guilt um, for Russians for this World War II stuff. Uh, I've spoken with one German who was uh, going to make a project about um, about supply about um, like promoting the idea in Germany uh, of supply uh, weapons to Ukraine, and he explained me. Uh, that this uh, this like sentiment to Russians is really um, like it's really uh, connected to uh, Germans because um, because of World War II and they feel guilt um, for uh, for this stuff. So a lot of Russians uh, were like Russia was uh, starving from this war, but for some reason. Uh, they forget that main battles were happening in Ukraine and uh, Ukraine has more losses in World War II than Russians have. So, uh, like, for some reason, Soviet Union perceives as a big Russia. Uh, it has true in it, but it's kind of strange from this perspective. If you feel guilt, why, why you feel it to them but not to us? Uh, th- right. That's strange. Uh, that's so a bit you, strange. Were, but... you, were you less comfortable in Germany than you are in Poland? Yes, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I felt less comfortable because um, I I don't know this. The I didn't um, experience any attack on myself, but it feels like, for example, this really. Um, really, really um, good example, any informational like leaflets, signs, uh, websites in Poland for Ukrainians, all in Ukrainian language, because they are made for Ukrainians. In Germany, first language to address Ukrainians, which country's language, only country's language, official language is Ukrainian. Russian in Ukraine is a language of minority. It's officially a language of minority. So it shouldn't be used because we have one official language, which is Ukrainian. And any source uh, I experience to see in Germany addresses to me in Russian in the foreign state language, this language of aggressor who attacks and kills people for speaking Ukrainian. And right. that's, as for me, of course, there are Russian-speaking Ukrainians in Ukraine, but come on, they understand Ukrainian because they live in Ukraine and all that's like... The, they live in Ukraine, which state's language is Ukrainian. So they use Ukrainian, they understand Ukrainian, uh, even if they speak at home Russian. That's their decision. Uh, but if I go to foreign state, I expect to be <laughs> to be addressed in my state language. And when I addressed in Russian language, it's kind of strange. And for to be honest, it insults me personally and other Ukrainians, because for centuries, Ukrainian language was oppressed. You can just um, Google a lingua site of Ukrainian language, and it would be a long article in Wikipedia how in how ways uh, Ukrainian language was oppressed. And now, when we are independent state, we are still perceived as part of Soviet Union, as part of Russia in Germany. That's kind of strange, to be honest. And that's insulting, but of course, I don't want to make a bad picture of Germany because uh, because they help us. I lived in a wonderful family. Uh, They disagree with people of Scholz politics. They disagree with uh, Germany's hesitation in supply of weapons. They are perfect people. They are very, very open-hearted. Uh, and I know there are a lot of Germans who support Ukraine and disagree with this politics. But these like, tiny details, just no, they, they just really, really... I feel bad for, for that, to be honest. 
we are going to leave it there. Uh, Svetlana, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, too. So we, uh, uh, as always, this will post to the Live from Ukraine uh, podcast feed. You can access uh, this and all episodes of Live from Ukraine on that feed. Please do share it. Um, uh, and uh, we will be back soon. And you can always find the next episode of Live from Ukraine whenever one is scheduled pinned to the top of my Twitter feed. Uh, thank you all very much for joining us, and uh, we will be back. Live from Ukraine is a production of Lawfare and Goat Rodeo. Uh, you know, the engineering, I'm doing it myself because it's Twitter spaces, but it is produced and edited by folks at Goat Rodeo. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>